why your affiliate program sucks and what you can do about it here on Affiliated. Thanks for joining us. We're going to be having a great time. I've got, when he's not in his cover band, LinkedIn Park, <laughs> who is the corporate cover band. Uh, we've got Kyle Meredith here. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Of course, man. Did you know that it's illegal in Switzerland for you to own a single guinea pig? They're considered social animals, so it's cruel and unusual huh. to own a single one. But the problem is if you have more than one guinea pig, you get like 16 guinea pigs. Is that a problem though? Depends on who you ask. If you're a guinea pig farmer or like to eat them, no. <laughs> yeah. Took a turn. Yeah. <laughs> Did it? Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Kyle, uh, super stoked you're uh, joining us here today because we've onboarded some significant business to Clipping together, right? Yeah. Um, and we've seen quite a few darling offers come on, really good scale programs come on, people just trying to hack it and make it work come on, everything in between. And we kind of see the, what I would like to call the recipe for success with affiliate programs. And a lot of times people come to us with an affiliate program that sucks, yeah. <laughs> to put it bluntly. So I would love to dive into some of these, I think we've kind of jotted down like maybe four or five kind of reasons, like kind of overarching themes that we commonly see and what can people can do to fix about it. So yeah. first one right off the bat, I think we kind of want to dive into a little bit is the affiliate program sucks because the offer and the program are actually just built wrong in from the get go. Would you want to go into that a little bit? What you see, like when you see like a product come across or a new client come across, you're looking at their stuff and it's like, okay, there's work to do here. What are some of the common things that you're looking at? Yeah. I mean, number, number one is really like how, how tested is the offer? Have you gone through and developed it or did you just get it to the starting line and now you're hoping that affiliates are going to assume 100% of the risk to test that for you? And I can definitely set it up. It can be pretty easy to get an affiliate to send for you a first time if you're gonna offer them a healthy commission, but what if it bombs poorly? It doesn't go well, right? It can be a lot harder to get that same affiliate to promote again. So you wanna make sure that your offer is dialed in and ready for affiliate traffic because it's gonna be a lot colder, right? And it's going to be across a diverse array, depending on what traffic sources you're open to. Affiliates can be on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, social. They could have a blog that they're doing. They own an email list. It could be across all these varieties. And you want to make sure that your, your offer can perform for each of those traffic sources. Yeah. No, I love that. Because, yeah, it's like, hey, I've got a new offer. It's ready for affiliates. It's like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> roll that back. Roll the tape. No, it's like you want to make sure that the offer is tested on the program or on the traffic sources you want affiliates to use. I think the it's kind of a similar thing, too. It's like we see a lot of established businesses with affiliate programs that, in my opinion, aren't really set up for scale. And it's making it really hard for them to get affiliates, right? Or they might have might be an e-com brand or something and they've kind of like pasted on an affiliate tracker and like, Hey, we got an affiliate program. We pay five to 10%, maybe 15% commission on this. And like their average cart value is like 20 bucks and you're going, okay, yeah. <laughs> let's flip that around. If you were an affiliate, would you be excited for like $3 a sale? If I knew nothing better yeah. then maybe, and I'm probably gonna have mm -hmm. a small list and I'm not going to be able to drive a consistent amount of affiliates to you. <laughs> but if you are truly trying to create a, a scaled program, no way, like knowing what you're competing against, there's just no way. Cause that's more like a, a thank you commission. That's more like a commission that you would offer as a referral basis, right? Your best customers are going to go out and they're going to give it to their friends and be like, Hey, you should buy this product. And you're going to try and offer them a little piece of that pie. But if you're trying to create incentive 
which is what you do, you can really do to create a, a true form of customer acquisition using affiliates, that's a totally different approach and strategy. I love that. So when you're looking at building an affiliate program, it's, oh, wow, excuse me. <clears throat> it's almost like that. What's that? What's the goal of the program, right? Like from the get go, I think we see people miss that and they don't even like take the time to journal or whiteboard that out. They're like, oh yeah, we got a affiliate program. Like this is what it is. And that doesn't really do anything. And they go, ah, affiliates don't work. And it's yeah. like, well, what's the goal of the program to begin with? Is it to drive, you know, 30% year over year growth? Is it to incrementally grow like a few customers here and there? Like, what do you want to do with it? And if it's the former <laughs> and big growth, you need to almost like start and go, okay, what do big affiliates like to push? Mm. Do you want to break, what are like some of the, what gets you excited when you're chatting with a new prospect and they start throwing, you start going through their funnel? Like what are some like the key metrics you're going like, okay, this probably has legs. Yeah, I, first first part is the mindset. If somebody's gonna try and use performance marketing affiliates like what you can find on ClickBank, somebody that's adopting, I'm gonna use ClickBank affiliates as a form of customer acquisition. So I'm okay with, I know how much it costs me to acquire a customer today, I'm totally fine paying that same amount to an affiliate for them to go acquire the customer for me. Because what's the difference? I'm going to acquire that customer. I'm going to begin monetizing them, right? So mindset is first and foremost. Do they understand that it's about establishing customer acquisition? Because at that point, you can truly, you can capture 25, 30, sometimes even up to 40% of your customer acquisition via affiliates. And heck, there's brands on ClickBank that are 100% dependent on affiliates. And that can take you to seven, eight, and even nine figures in a single year. Yeah, no, I, I always get excited when I start hearing things like, oh yeah, our AOV is you know, 100, over $100, you know, maybe approaching north of 200. I know we can pay out over 50% of that to an affiliate to acquire a customer kind of thing. Cause it seems like, it seems like the sweet spot almost for these media buying affiliates is like that hundred dollar, like rev share or CPA, however you want to back into it. And even then it's even increasing north of that. Not that you need that, right? If you did have a high enough conversion rate, you could have a lower payout, but it's getting hard to get those really high converting um, offers. And you're really like, what's a good conversion rate now? Like with those air quotes out there that no one can see in the podcast. Yeah, I was yeah. literally gonna throw that question back to you, right? Because if affiliates are, they have cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. And they are incentivized to try and drive as much traffic to as possible. So it is about creating an offer that converts for them at a really healthy clip that allows them to be profitable on those ads. Because if you're acquiring customers, if you're doing Facebook ads and you're acquiring customers today at break even for your brand, well, it's gonna be hard to convince an affiliate to do that because the affiliate isn't acquiring the customer, right? So uh, it's a, usually takes adapting direct response principles to increase your conversion rate if you aren't already doing that, right? If you have a brand and you've got like an average of 12 touch points before you drive a conversion. Yeah, but Kyle, my conversion rate's 14%. What do you, it's great. What are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, it's the warmest traffic ever, right? Whereas <laughs> affiliates- They've targeted 14 times. Yeah, and exactly. That ad is converting at 14%, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas affiliates, are, yeah. They have a, they've got their own audience and it's usually a curated audience, right? They could be buying ads or they own that audience. That audience trusts them, right? And that affiliate is basically looking to make an agreement with you in order to lend their trust towards you, right? And they want you to take care of their customers and in exchange, they want a slice of the pie for any sales that they drive. And the, the more commission you can afford to pay them, the more likely they are to send a higher volume. It's like stealing a quote from Kyle Kosteka here. Uh, he loves to say, the more you can pay, the more you can play. Yeah. Something along those like lines. That, yeah. 
it was paid to play. But yeah, from a conversion rate, it's still kind of skirted around the answer. From a conversion rate perspective, we're talking about converting to cold, the coldest traffic sources that aren't familiar with your brand or your offer before they hit the page today, and being able to convert somewhere between 0.75 and like 2% yeah. mm-hmm. as kind of a starting point, right? And it's always about finding the right blend because, you know, it's it's not necessarily just about conversion rate. It's also about payout if you want to talk about been that shift the last bit. like four years it's like the maximizing the aov i think you sacrifice a little bit on the front end conversion but the economics just work out that it can still scale so much better than just you know maybe slightly better converting but lower aov offer yeah lower yeah. profit margin offer right i love that that's okay so a i guess make sure your offer is built to scale right and then it's actually tested before you go hope you can find a find and recruit affiliates i think that kind of goes into like one of the next steps right it's like I've made this affiliate offer. I've put it up somewhere. I've done something. I'm not getting affiliates. Like what's going on? It's almost like that field of dreams, you know, build it and they will come, but the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like that. If you have a, if you just build the program, put it on your site, put it on the network and you're going, I've done it all. I'm just gonna get a ton of affiliates. Rarely do I see that work out. Right. It's like, maybe if you've got a really good thing, like some affiliates will start to get traction with it. But can you go into like, I don't know, do you agree with that? Is that like on, like, do you see different? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if, if you're if you're an offer owner or a brand owner, think about how much work it took for you to get your business to where it is now, right? If you established a customer acquisition channel, how much work did it take for you to build that up, right? Affiliate marketing is the same way. It can be a really valuable channel for you, but you also can't think about it as being just if if they if i build it they will come right because if you have an offer that converts really well it performs really well that's great it's so much easier to be able to get affiliates because affiliates talk to each other they're also watching all of the email lists right for for all the big senders that are out there and if they see an offer multiple times yeah it's going to pique a lot of interest for them right um but it's about kind of going into it and being humble and being like, okay, we're, it's going to take some time to build this up and I'm not just going to find my, my affiliates aren't just going to come to me. I need to kind of put in more of the legwork to go find them. You want to talk about some of the different ways that um, people can really try and go find affiliates where they're at? Yeah. Was, Cause we're kind of talking about, right. You're not doing recruiting, right? You're kind of just passively waiting for affiliates to find you. I think the misnomer is that the beginner affiliates, the, like the newer affiliates, they're the ones that are typing in like best offer to promote on ClickBank and Google or best XYZ thing to promote. And they might find you an organic search or something. It's going to be those newer affiliates who don't really have the ability to scale as well. The good affiliates are doing exactly what you said. They're talking to each other. They're seeing what's working with spy tools or losing, uh, you know, they're on people's emails list. They're getting their information from the insiders, if you will, from their account reps at ClickBank and stuff. They're not going out and actively searching best offer to promote on ClickBank, right? Or best, you know, best supplement offer or affiliate program for XYZ thing. If they come across your ad scaling and it looks cool, they might see if you have an affiliate program, but that's very passive and unlikely to kind of actively recruit anything. So it's the, like, I think the thing we're talking about, right, is like, are you going to networking events? An in-person is a huge part of it, right? Are you going to Affiliate Summit, Affiliate World? Are you going to Traffic and Conversion, which is now like a day after Affiliate Summit West for some reason? <laughs> I think a day before. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like almost overlap there. Uh, I was joking. We should just do our party like in between and just have the... <laughs> People stay for like two yeah. weeks. <laughs> um, 
like, are you going to those in-person networking events to actually build relationships with people and kind of be that insider person that people trust and can actually test? Are you going to the Facebook groups, like the direct response marketing partners group that we're all in? Um, if you're in platinum, if you are platinum or actually engaging the platinum group or you're nothing held back or in these different Facebook groups you can be getting on. There's a ton of discord servers now that are kind of different YouTube buyer affiliates or anything like that. Reddit threads. Yeah. Different Reddit threads, right? Like what are you doing to actively go find those affiliates and really sell to them on, and like a good relationship building way, why they should trust you to promote your offer. Yeah. And even being able to tap into your own network, right? Who do you know in your network that is more involved in affiliate marketing might be able to help introduce you to somebody else, right? Actually put in the legwork. You'd be amazed that in this industry, there's so many people who are, who are willing to have conversations and provide value in exchange for nothing really, yeah. right? Like. Um, so not always in exchange for nothing, right? But there's so many people that are willing to help. <laughs> people are very giving in, in the space, yeah. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. So you have you just have to be willing to put in the work to begin building it, and then you can begin getting, once you've got some traction, it's so much easier to be able to build your, your affiliate yeah. program from there. I'm gonna talk about, like if you do have a new offer that's untested, right? You don't wanna go out there and be like, hey, I've got this great offer, it's converting at X, and just make stuff up and help you get traffic, oh, totally. right? It's like you're being honest, like, hey, this is new, I'm looking for test traffic, like, Half the time, especially in person, I say, okay, yeah, I can do a send for you. I can, you know, send to my, it might be like a lower quality list of theirs or something, but they'll kind of use some of their, list, AKA junk traffic or less quality traffic to give you something. And something's better than nothing, right? So you can start to build on this kind of stuff and start getting some traffic. And then really, if you have your own test data too. It's such it. a relationship driven yeah. industry. So mm -hmm. it, like Tom's to talk about, if you can go to those events and meet those affiliates in person, like yet yeah, every one of those major events that you've talked about, ClickBank's doing roadshow with them. Yeah. Go to that ClickBank roadshow. We pretty much won't turn anybody away at the door. We're looking yeah. to help provide value to everybody, right? Go find and meet the affiliates. You may not walk away with somebody from that event that's going to send you a hundred thousand clicks in the first week, right? But you're gonna be laying the seeds to build that relationship. And honestly, affiliate programs can scale with a single affiliate if it's the right affiliate. Because we're talking about affiliates that have the, ch the ability to drive dozens, hundreds, sometimes even thousands of sales per day on them on their own because yeah. they got, they're a full-fledged business. It's usually a small group of people, sometimes <laughs> one person, a solopreneur that's doing this, that's this major affiliate. Sometimes it's a small group of people, um, but one affiliate can change everything for your affiliate program. 100%. What, so what do you tell the people who are saying, hey, I've been going to these events, I've, you know, I've been trying to test my offer, it's getting off the ground a little bit, but like they're still just not having much success. Like, What are they probably doing wrong more times than not? And why is their affiliate program suffering because of it? Yeah, I, I think that probably comes down to how are you analyzing your data? Part of it, right? If you're trying to improve your offer, are you pulling the right levers? Sometimes just having that through with somebody and looking at, okay, uh, how much am I making on the front end sale? Right? How much am I making on upsells? So What's my upsell take rate? Mm -hmm. If you're selling a supplement, you've got one, three, and six bottles on the front end, it could be about, all right, how do I figure out how to get more of these people to buy three and six bottles? How can I increase the value of that so that my offer metrics become better, right? And that's a largely a focus on increasing AOV there. Um, but you know, let's say a 10% increase in AOV can completely change the dynamics about what you can afford to pay. On the other side of it, it's also about on the back end side that affiliates would never see, right? It's what are your margins? Do you have healthy margins? is can you scale <laughs> yeah. in affiliate marketing? Because if you, if you don't have healthy margins, you probably can't pay to play for performance marketing affiliates that are incentivized off of a high commission. You're gonna have to out convert your competitors to a really high degree to make that work. Um, and then the other part that I'd say is kind of going back to that 
being dishonest with your figures, right? If you're setting unrealistic expectations for affiliates and telling them that they're gonna they're set to earn X, Y, or Z on your offer or that it converts at this rate and it just flat out doesn't, you've never even tested it or your test data is so small, then uh, you're probably burning that bridge for the relationship. Yeah, and it's, you kind of peek something there for me. It's like that, that middle category of how many times do we hear like, oh, I've got the best quality supplement, right? Or the best quality X, like it took me years to develop this and it's like a highest quality ingredients and it cost me $20 a bottle to make kind of thing. And it's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> like what, what is your margin on that? Like, what can you really afford to pay there? And you're gonna struggle to outcompete someone who's got a lower margin, kind of better, not quality, but you know, uh, higher profit margin offer in front of them because they can just afford to pay for customers more. And yeah. You know, Ferry Belter always says, right? He who can afford to pay more for the customer wins kind of thing. They don't have to beat you on conversions. Yeah, exactly. They'll destroy you on AOV. Yeah, they'll twice your payout, right? Yeah. And it's like, you're not going to double their conversion. You might have, you know, 1.5 exit, but still they're going to be beating you. Um, and I always kind of flip it around on them. It's like going, okay, like you're probably not going to compete on a high level with these big performance marketing offers, right? Um, and get like big scale from the ad buyers initially kind of thing. Like unless you're really working hard to lower those cogs, which you probably could be doing, right? That's where you refer people like James Klein, right? It's like, Hey, look at your manufacturing. You might be able to tighten that up yeah. and kind of get lower cogs to begin with. But look at the type of affiliates you're trying to recruit, right? Like maybe you're going after the wrong affiliates and like what else could you be doing to work with the right type of people for that offer? Maybe it's more of an influencer campaign, right? Maybe it's going more for that kind of ambassador approach, right? So it's less of a just straight up cold affiliate who's just like in it for the money. Maybe it's going for more someone who's brand conscious. Maybe there's less scale in that initially, but it's somewhere you can start and kind of build upon and actually get more creative assets from those types of people and more testimonials and that kind of thing. Gosh, we're around with TikTok the other day, right? There's so many like, uh, what was it? It was like the uh, TTCC, TikTok creative something. Yeah. thinking of right where you can be working with their creative people on that side and they'll be getting you videos for you to use in ads and things like that there's a lot of things you would be doing with different creative types of individuals that you could be exploring it's just going what is motivating for someone is it money is it money and they feel good about promoting it is it they just want to feel good about promoting it and if money's like an aside thing cool that's probably more of like a newer influencer type person who's just like how do i make money online i've got this audience it's probably gonna be somewhere a hybrid of all of those Right. And maybe you start with not as much performance focused, more feel good focused, right? More brand focused a little bit. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to put affiliates all in the same bucket. Yeah. They are all out for cash grab, yeah. trying to burn and churn an audience. And that's flat out not the case. How many, <laughs> how many conversations have we had with, with brands that acquire, have a really good affiliate program and they, they're 80, 20 ruling it, right? the smallest 20% of their affiliates are driving 80% of their customers and they have great relationships with mm -hmm. those affiliates because those affiliates values align really well with the brand. So it, don't put affiliates all into the same bucket because there are so many different types of affiliates. Sometimes you just might be targeting the wrong ones and you need to fig figure out what are the types of affiliates that I want to be promoting my brand and then think through how can I find them? Where are those affiliates likely engaging online? What events might they be going to? Can I find a little hub of them? And there might be an, a you know, local community in that hub and I can tap into that. And so it's just getting a little bit more creative on, on where you're trying to find those affiliates. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Because gosh, same. It might be reverse. Where it's like I want you might think you want influencers, quote unquote, but then you realize you don't have the budget to pay for like a CPM campaign with an influencer and pay for story posts without any guarantee of results and kind of performance. You're like, oh, I might go, oh. I really need something more performance focused. And then I can probably build influencers on top of that when you have cash flow coming in. So just trying to figure out where you add your business cycle, what you can really afford to go play with and what is gonna have the biggest lever in the short term and mid and long terms kind of yeah. deal. Yeah. So we've covered the payout there, right? Like the, the performance side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of the program side of it, right? Uh, managing an affiliate program on all of the things that you could automate can become really clunky, right? Manage trying to manage 1099s and tracking and payouts and all that stuff can become a, a really big headache. So like, what are some ways to try and make that easier that you've seen? Yeah, yeah. Well, gosh, because <laughs> I know you see brands that they've got like maybe three different affiliate tracking tools or something like that and all these different things plugged in. And what they don't think about is like, oh, they, oh I might be on XY learning management system. Um, and they think, oh, this has a built-in affiliate tracker with it. That'll work great. Or my funnel builder might have an affiliate tracker built into it. Perfect, I don't need to go elsewhere for that. What they don't consider or don't realize is that those might be great if you've got a small handful of affiliates that you work with closely and your CFO or yourself, if you're a solopreneur, can kind of pay those affiliates relatively without much friction, right? Um, but as you start to scale that, now you've got a dozen affiliates, two dozen, whatever it might be, you've got to start paying them monthly, maybe a little faster. Now all of a sudden it gets to be a big drag and friction point for your financial team just to make sure that the payments are getting out to affiliates correctly. Because the one of the best ways to ruin a relationship and make sure your affiliate program continues to suck is to forget to pay affiliates yeah. or to miss paying affiliates. They will stop promoting quickly. Yeah. The other thing is too, I've been thinking like, how fast can you pay affiliates, right? A lot, a lot of times we see like an in-house affiliate program and it's like, cool, how fast do you pay affiliates? Oh, we're working on a net 60 or a net 30. And it's like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm an affiliate promoting you, I get a sale today. I've got to wait for like the month to clear for that to cash flow, and then 60 days after yeah. that, and then I get paid like a quarter later, like 90 day almost. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's what you're gonna be paying? Like, how do you expect someone to get excited for that? Would you pay an employee or like a high level salesperson that? Right. No, like right, you're gonna pay them as fast as you can to incentivize more traffic from them. And that's right where I'm going to shamelessly plug something like a ClickBank, right? This is our podcast. We can do what we want. Um, right where affiliate, it's like affiliate uh, people come to a ClickBank for affiliates, but they stay because it like reduces all that friction and overhead where it's like the program is actually built into a ClickBank system to where the commission is automatically applied to that affiliate's account. And then all the payments are automatically happening as fast as, as I think it's, I think every account gets net seven, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you're, if platinum affiliates are promoting you, they're probably getting paid twice weekly, right? So they're getting paid way faster than you ever could. And ClickBank's mitigating the risk by holding the reserves that they need in place from each specific account to kind of help cover refunds or chargebacks. Because that's why internal offers or internal affiliate programs can't pay quickly because they need to sit there and balance the books and go, this many sales came in, these ones refunded, it takes 90 days to, you know, whatever it is to kind of figure out the refunds. Now we can pay the affiliate because they don't want to overpay that affiliate. Yeah. Versus realizing, okay, I could probably hold X percent of their volume I don't have to factor it into each specific sale and then pay out. And that's where ClickBank's already doing that for them. 
Yeah, I think I like to think of it as um, how many conversations have we had with clients <laughs> where we're like, what do you like? What do you like to do? <laughs> like I love sales and marketing. Well, cool. All those things that you just talked about are not sales and marketing. They're right? operations. They're yeah. operations. Yeah, they're not yeah. necessarily revenue generating activities. So you use a platform like ClickBank, and you can focus on your sales and marketing. ClickBank also has this army of affiliates, right? That is massive pool um, that you can also tap into. So it's about automating what you don't want to be spending your day on today. Do you want to, ta do you want to track tax remittance state to state and make <laughs> sure that you're compliant? Probably not, right? So you want to automate the things that don't move the needle in your business. And yeah, you we've really got clients that are on ClickBank fully without even using affiliates because they just want the scale processing. Yeah. They're happy to pay a bit more on ClickBank's mids for that. And they want to not have to register in 48 different states. Yeah, right? you, look, you look at the <laughs> international. VIN yeah. checkups, an example yeah, of that. Yeah, right. Uses us purely for processing because it just simplifies what they need to do in their business. They're just focusing on getting their brand in front yeah. of more people. Mm -hmm, 100%. Which I like, I like that you went into like the revenue generating pieces of that. Because I think another big key of why your affiliate program is really suffering is because you don't have someone in place to do the affiliate recruiting we've been talking about, to do the follow-up and the closing with these affiliates and build those relationships. It might be you and your business as a solo partner to start, but is that what you wanna do all the time? Maybe, and maybe you hire behind you in other roles like creative or copy or kind of different operations, but more than likely you're gonna stick with what you're really good at, which might not be relationships and people. You need to fill that role with a dedicated affiliate manager. And yeah, what in your mind should an affiliate manager be doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, I so just folding it back just one step yeah. before, even before that, right, is um, I love the mindset when you think if affiliates, if you're trying to create an affiliate program that can potentially become 25 to 35-ish percent of your total customer acquisition, then how do you need to think about affiliates? Well, you need to treat affiliates the same way that you treat your best customers because one affiliate could drive endless number of your best customers to you. Mm -hmm. um, so with that context in mind, do you think just like any VA automation is gonna give that level of support? Would you put that kind of automation in front of your best customers who purchase your product regularly? They know they're so familiar with your brand. They are advocates for you. They're ambassadors for you without even being paid for it. Would you give them that same level of care? <laughs> the answer is no. So yeah. your affiliates, you don't want to give the same level of care. You want to put somebody in front of them that can really sell your affiliate program. They are sales and growth oriented, right? They are out there to build a relationship and help close business for you. And if you aren't approaching it with that mindset, there's probably a lot of business that you're letting slip through without even realizing. You don't even know what the potential of your affiliate program really is. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, exactly. And a lot of people are like, oh, we have an affiliate manager. They might have one in, in the house or something they're using, but they're doing those administrative tasks, yeah. right? They're figuring out how much an affiliate is owed and figuring out the payments on a monthly basis. They're getting affiliates tracking links all the time, which they probably should be doing anyway. That's revenue generating activity. But like the program isn't set up to help automate those small pieces of it. Right, they're doing all this backend tracking stuff and trying to make sure everything's working on the backend versus doing relationship building and closing new sends and new tests for you from those affiliates. And that's where, right, we 
I highly recommend working with East Fifth Avenue and that and Amber Spears and Alona Rudinsky over there, right? They're a partner of ClickBanks um, and they help train on affiliate management. They help hire for affiliate management. They help if you are the affiliate manager uh, for your own brand, you can join Traffic Tribe or something where you're in a group that meets regularly to exchange traffic and ideas and kind of almost a little mastermind on a Zoom call, right? So there's lots of ways to work with them. We can put some links in the show notes to them, but if it's a critical piece as you start to hit scale that needs to get solved for quickly if you don't already have it or optimize if you think you have it, but you're not happy with the results. Yeah. If you yourself don't know what an affiliate manager should be doing, <laughs> think about yeah. how much time it's going to take for you to learn that and then add on to that how much time it's going to take for you to teach somebody else to mm -hmm. do that if that's not something you really want to do. At that point, East Fifth Avenue is a very cost effective way to offload that entire yeah. process, right? You don't even, you don't even need to learn it. You can send somebody else to go learn that for you. That's also on your team. I, I think one of the other big differences is sometimes an offer owner has this unrealistic expectation where they're like, we just launched our offer. I want my affiliate manager to now go grow that. Yes. What are you equipping them with to try and grow, right? Are you just going to hope, try and make the promise like, Hey, promote our offer. You'll make big commissions. I promise. <laughs> or, you know, are you truly setting up that affiliate manager for success because they have these metrics they can speak to and they've got the ability to negotiate, right? They have the ability to close these deals because you've given them a framework for, hey, you, you can offer commissions between this and this. We're okay with these traffic sources. We've got these creative assets to be able to offer affiliates. All of those reduce uh, friction when trying to recruit new affiliates. So it's also as an offer understand offer owner understanding what do I need to do to equip my affiliate manager for success so that they can just go out there and execute on art vision. Yes. You give them legs to cut teeth as we like to say. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> but no, cause right, we hear it from both sides. We hear it from a offer owners are going, Oh, my affiliate manager isn't working out. Right. And really to go back to our point one, you might have an offer pro, pro, uh, yeah. problem to begin with. And you hear affiliate managers going, oh, this offer sucks, right? <laughs> an offer might be fine, but they are such a handcuffed in what they can actually do. They don't really have an ability to close deals. It might be the program that's set up wrong, right? Where it's like, you're, they're just not paying enough commission. The offer might be just fine. They're just, you know, not, they aren't paying enough. They don't have legs to cut teeth. They can't actually cut anything. And that's the thing, like you see these offer owners hire an affiliate manager and don't give them any leash to run with. Um, and then you start seeing affiliates go around the affiliate manager to the offer owner who's actually making all the decisions because they don't let the affiliate manager make any decisions. Yeah. And then they get frustrated. Oh, this affiliate manager's not doing anything. These people are just going around them. It's like, well, you've kind of put them in a tough spot there. <laughs> yeah. Cut <laughs> them off at the knees. Yeah. If you really want to offload that role and let them develop relationships with affiliates, you need to be able to let them win. Right. And you tell them if XYZ stuff comes up or stuff outside of the sandbox comes up, then come to me, right? Feed that back to the affiliate manager so they can deliver the news, right? So they can be that main point person all the time and really own that relationship, yeah, right? For your brand there. And right, this is something Amber and East Fifth would say is you're building in standard operating procedures around that. So if that person leaves, right, you're not losing all those connections you can backfill with somebody and all those standard operating procedures and the Rolodex and the CRM is there for those affiliates in place. They can pick up very quickly where the person left off and step into that role. Cause then you actually have an affiliate program. Yes. You don't just have an, an affiliate <laughs> lightning bolt. I, yeah. I don't know what to call it, but you, it's a, it's a process that's independent of a person. You just have a person that's in there 
really greasing the wheels and closing that business for you. But you could remove that person, insert somebody else, and still be you know perhaps eighty yeah. percent as effective. That's a win for a business. Yeah, it's almost like we, yeah, you see that the offer owners it's like they've got a great offer going. They got almost maybe lucky with it <laughs> or yeah. an affiliate with a campaign that's going. It's like, wow, this is really working, but they can't replicate past that. And they're very, uh, they almost have like cash flow versus a business, right? So yeah, building out the program, the operations around it is what makes an affiliate program strong versus just the people in it. Right? Yeah. It's what yeah. makes it sustainable. Yeah. I would say you could have a flash in the pan, but again, if you're tying yourself, your performance, your, your affiliate program to a single person, then once that person leaves, all of that hard work you've done to establish that customer acquisition channel goes out the door with you. Yeah. With them. hundred percent. I'd say, okay, so we've covered what we've got. I'm going to kind of go through these a little bit and I'd love for you to chime in at the end here. If we miss anything, we've got kind of like the offer could be bad. So I guess, yeah, why your affiliate program could suck. Your op offer could just be bad and the program could be set up poorly. Both of those things could be true. Um, you're kind of leading, leading into the Kevin Cosner approach of building, they will come. You're not really doing any recruitment actively. You're just yep. doing passive waiting. I put it on a click and no affiliates promoted it. It's like, well, you have a zero gravity score. I'm in the marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> you might be so far down in the marketplace, no one's looking. Though. Yeah, it's like I'm ranking on Google yeah. on page 50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, no one's finding you, yeah. Um, you might not be targeting the right affiliates in your recruitment for the type of brand and offer you've got. You're not really doing any, you're doing either the wrong type of affiliate management or you're just not really doing affiliate management to begin with. And those, what we mean by those like revenue generating activities with your affiliate manager role, whether that's you or someone else in that role. And then you've got a clunky backend, right? The manual process, it's all very manual. There's lots of friction involved. I'd say this too at that point is the affiliate program needs to instill trust in the affiliate. If they see your affiliate recruitment page or kind of the, the overview of your affiliate program, it should be answering questions in a way that shows that they have confidence that the person knows what they're doing who's running this program. Which is like, hey, apply here. And there's not really much there. Bad affiliate or sign up page, right? If you're speaking about the funnel and the AOV and the different steps in it and the demographics that you're targeting, like that also helps build confidence. If it's on a network that people trust, right? They go, okay, yeah, I get paid by ClickBank every week. I can promote that and know the owner's not gonna stiff me on accident, right? Or on purpose, maliciously. Everyone's not been paid in this industry. Yeah. So that is something that's forefront in their mind. So all these pieces build trust in that affiliate relationship. I think that sums it up perfectly. Yeah. Anything you wanna add there? Yeah. No, I, I, no, honestly, that was beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so kind. <laughs> I'll get you two guinea pigs after this. Awesome. Well. Okay, so why does your affiliate program suck? I think we've covered quite a few ways it could suck in the kind of the most common ways. 90% of the ways. 90% of the ways, yeah. Um, if you've got other questions on this, you're like, man, we're just not getting traction with affiliates. We'd love to chat with you. Uh, we'll include uh, email or a link or something in the show notes, probably the, either the, I'll think of one that we'll put in the show notes later. Look in the show notes for an email <laughs> if you want to get in touch with myself or Kyle to kind of cover some of these steps. You want to go through like kind of a program audit. It's really good for people if you've got some traction going in other parts of your business, you're doing, you know, scaled revenue and you're trying to build this affiliate program, you're just not getting anywhere. That's a great time to kind of us come in and look at the program and the details and the offer and kind of go through that. Um, anything you want to throw in there, Kyle, for some last tidbits? Uh, no, I think if you are looking for an event to be able to go to, because you are trying to get more exposure for your offer, some to be able to check out, um, that are coming up later this year is going to be affiliate 
uh, World Barcelona. Mm-hmm. So obviously, that occurs overseas if you were here domestic yeah, U.S. July 11th and 12th, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. somewhere in early, uh, the early part of mid-July. Yeah. And then we've got Affiliate Summit East, yep. which is July 31st and August 1st. That takes place in New York City. ClickBank will be there for both mm-hmm. events. We will also do a roadshow if you would love to get more exposure for your offer in front of affiliates. I promise you there's going to be affiliates there. And there might be one oh, yeah. of or well, both I of mention, us there. I don't, can't remember if I mentioned it or not, but um, you can go to clickbank.com slash events. Mm, yeah. And that will show you a whole event calendar of not just Clickbank events, but other like industry events going on through the year. Um, and if we're doing a roadshow, if we're doing Clickbank Connects, our next one's June 29th, I think. Right? Uh, end of this month, I think. I think, I think we're it's doing June. Like, I think we're doing every other month now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so that'd be June and August, last Thursday of August, I think. Um, but so yeah, every other month we're doing a little mastermind kind of meet up here in Boise. So if you want to come out for one of those, let us know. We can get you the details around when that would be happening. Yeah, get on the network and happy scaling, everybody. Thank you.